Chiefs. Stanley in front of him. Touchdown, Lamar. McCaffrey scores. 49ers in front. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. Circus Show. Welcome to the Mixed Pick Sports Show. It is Thursday, January 25th, 2024. Special time this morning. Thank you all for joining us. Let's say hi to Steve Mickelson from MixPicks.com. Two K's in Mix. Two K's in Picks. MixPicks.com. Hello, Steve. Steve? Why am I not hearing Steve? I should be hearing Steve. I can see Steve. If you're watching us on Rad TV, I can see Steve. But I can't hear Steve. Let's see. How about well, now, we, Steve? We, we, there we go. Okay, good. Good. There's a technical glitch on our, our end. Uh, we apologize for that. All right, uh, so uh, how you doing, Steve? Doing well. All we're right. getting closer to the big weekend. Yeah, uh, yes, we're getting closer because I said yesterday when we ended, we'd be close. We're almost at that 72-hour countdown. Uh, but uh, we got other things. To, before we get to the championship games, uh, we got to talk about the Kings playing the Warriors tonight. The NFL Award finalists have been announced. We can talk about who the MVP and so many others uh, really will be when they announce them in a, a couple weeks. And the coaching carousel continues to spin, which is where we start. No surprise. We saw it coming. Sure enough, Jim Harbaugh is leaving the national champion Michigan Wolverines to coach the NFL's Los Angeles Chargers, the team announced on Wednesday. First up, Steve, that's the way to do it. For all the other things, right, that Harbaugh's, all the other reasons he needs to go with what's going on with the NCAA, he does get to walk away national champion winner. Absolutely. I think the way he's doing it is outstanding. He had a huge contract on the table for him to sign with Michigan. Could have been really easy for him to sit there and say, hey, look, I've accomplished this. I've restored Michigan. Let's now just take the money. And, you know, I think he's 60 years old and just kind of ride it out. Coaching Michigan is dream school. That's where he went to school and played out the rest of his career. But that's not Jim Harbaugh. Let, <laughs> let's go climb another mountain. And you know, look, I accomplished everything I set out to do in Michigan. I restored the Wolverines to prominence. I beat Ohio State. I won a national championship. I've checked all the boxes of what I wanted to do, and I hopefully built a program that will be an elite program for years to come. Now let's go back to the NFL because I have unfinished business. Goes to the Chargers. I was really glad the Chargers stepped up and paid him you know all the rumors out there that the chargers really don't like to pay their coaches and stuff like that but they did this here and i love his style it's that we're going to play physical football we're going to wear you down we're going to be a more prepared better you know in fit team and make it happen and Man, that's what the Chargers have been missing for all these years. So his deal is just that toughness. His deal is for five years. We hear it's for eighteen million. We don't have all the details yet, but we know what all these things are very close. There is a tertiary connection. I don't think this is any of the story. Of course, uh, Harbaugh played a quarterback for the Chargers for two seasons in uh, ninety nine and two thousand. But on the money side, uh, after the Chargers went five and twelve this season. And they've got three playoff wins since 2008. One of the big things that Harbaugh and whoever the general manager will have to be is the construction of the Chargers roster. The team is projected to be just under $28 million over the league salary cap. And they are, they are now looking for a general manager. Interesting, when, they t when teams do it this way, it's always interesting. Hire the head coach first. To me, that always says the head coach is in charge. Mm-hmm. 
So, Absolutely. And 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 I I don't know whether that comes down to and and you remember, Harbaugh had a lot of issues uh, when he was in San Francisco with uh, 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 Trent Balky. Uh, and other team management that ultimately is what led him to to leaving San Francisco. So I don't know if what this means is Harbaugh handpicks his general manager and it and it turns into that John Lynch Mike Shanahan tandem thing, or if John Harbaugh picks the general manager and the understanding is you don't actually have final say, Mister General Manager. I think they have to work hand in hand. That 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 to me is the second most important position behind the quarterback and the head coach, really. Uh, Harbaugh is going to be able to handpick it. They have to see eye-to-eye on player personnel and where they want to take this team. And that's where you're going to allow Harbaugh to handpick it. You know, they've given a second interview to the assistant general manager with the Giants. But don't be surprised if they end up hiring the director of player personnel from the Baltimore Ravens, who's been working with his brother, John, for many years. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to be coming in today for that interview. And it wouldn't shock me at all if he's the one they end up going with. He has a relationship with his brother, John, the players. And as long as Jim and this guy you know, see eye to eye on where they want to take the team, the roster and all that. He He's the person I think they'll end up hiring. Well, I mean, that that is almost that that news is almost like that guy. It's that guy's job to lose. We know how close Jim and John are. And if John is telling Jim, dude, you, this is the guy you got to talk to. That guy just has to show up and breathe and, and, and complete sentences. And it seems to me like like, as I said, the job is his to lose. And then and not only then. Does does Jim have the stamp of approval of his brother? I don't know how close the Harbaugh's are, but but he he's going to get some inside information on how to work with this guy. Oh, absolutely! And and keep in mind, two years ago, uh, one of the defensive coaches for the Ravens became the Michigan defensive coordinator, right. and so we, we've already seen they work together. You know, John wasn't afraid to allow this person to go and work with Jim get a promotion, become a defensive coordinator. Ultimately, he then left Michigan, and I believe he went back to the Ravens. More seasoned, he'd been a defensive coordinator in the NFL. So I believe Jim and John are pretty close, and I think John is not going to stand in the way of someone improving. You're going from player now to a GM of the team. You know, if they have that relationship, he would love to see him you know, advance and be the best that he could be. And if it's something that can help his brother Jim win, I think John supports it entirely. By the way, uh, already being circled on the calendar, already the NFL is revamping next year's schedule. Yes, they already work on things like this. Uh, and they are already figuring out which primetime slot, once they know the dates, the game will go. The Chargers are scheduled to play the Ravens next season at SoFi, uh, which will officially be a John versus Jim Harbaugh matchup. So we all know everybody will be uh, watching that one since we're, we're talking about the brothers. Now, you alluded to the unfinished business, and you're right. Now that, now that, now that Jim has, has done the national champion thing at his school, he comes back to the NFL, he got to a Super Bowl, and he lost it. We all know what this means. He wants the Super Bowl. They all do. I mean, they all want the Super Bowl. But in terms of why, what drives Jim Harbaugh to keep going and things like that, 
Uh, his brothers got one. Yes, they're very close, but they're rivals, and his brother beat him uh, to get his Super Bowl. So the Chargers finished 5-12. and 12. Now, that was way underperforming. You were screaming halfway through the season for Brandon Staley to be fired, which he ultimately was. The Chargers have talent. They've got, they've got an ex- exceptional quarterback that you love, Justin Herbert. So if you're Jim Harbaugh, Steve, and you're $27.5 million over the salary cap, which there's a lot of— there's a lot of rum, you know, just convoluted math that goes into the salary cap. So we, we stay away from that, but it's a challenge. When you look at the Chargers, what does Jim Harbaugh need to do? What are the what are the concerns? How does he get them? First of all, wait a minute, I'm asking you way too many questions. I assume Jim Harbaugh is going to turn this into a winning record right away because they should have had one this year. And if you agree with that, what does he have to do to make them a playoff team next year? I agree with that. I think they have talent. The, the thing that if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I'm going into this team – I want the mental toughness. I, I want to bring that physicality of the team. Look, we're going to finish the games. We're not going to lose late and bring that pedigree of we're champions. A- a- and I would want players on the roster that buy into that. You know, we saw Dan Campbell do that with the Lions. Look, we're going to play physical football here. We're going to intimidate our opponents, wear them down. And that's the player I'm looking for. If you're there to collect a paycheck or it's all about you and the stats, if I'm Harbaugh, no matter how good you are, you're moving on. I'm going to trade you. I'm going to do whatever we need to do. Being $27.5 million over the cap, obviously he's got to make some decisions there. They're paying an awful lot of money on the defensive side of the ball. I believe both wide receivers for the Chargers uh, make a lot of money, and there's going to be decisions on if they're going to bring – you know, them back as well. So he's got a lot of decisions, but I really believe he's going to form this into his style of team, a run first physical team. And man, he's got a great quarterback in Herbert. So it's going to be fun to watch Herbert's development because to me, Herbert, yes, he was hurt almost all of this last year, but he hasn't developed the way that I had hoped he would at this point, because he has so much talent. We're going to see Harbaugh bring that out of him. And I think Herbert will be an elite quarterback in this league within two years. Uh, You can email us, rad at radradio.com. And we did get one from uh, Alec uh, as soon as this all became official. He is a lifelong suffering uh, Chargers fan. So you can relate, Steve, as a a Lions fan. You often view view things through a a negative prism, if you will, uh, or or, or, or the history of being uh, let down in the playoffs. But here's what he says. He says, okay, mixed picks predictions. And by the way, he spelled predictions with two Ks, too. So, you know, Uh, he says, uh, all right, Chargers with the almighty Jim Harbaugh. Justin Herbert stays healthy. Alex says they go 11 and six, and then they're eliminated in the wild card. That's his prediction. For the first year? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. You made the playoffs. You're taking that step. The second year, I think you need to win a playoff game. Uh, You know, the Chargers... And I went to San Diego State. You can see the San Diego State here. <laughs> so I was in San Diego during the heyday of the Dan Fouts, Kellen Winslow, and, and all of those players. It's like they've always had the talent. This is the difference between the Chargers and the Lions. The Chargers have always had the talent, and they just seem to find ways to lose. The Lions never really had the talent, so they were just never any good. But, you know, you think about the Schottenheimer days with the Chargers, and you go 13-3, and three, and you don't advance. You have the Patriots beat. You get the, I believe it was an interception. Just go down, run out the clock. Nope, we fumble it as we're running around. Patriots get the ball back. Patriots go on to win the game. It's just the Chargers seem to always find ways to lose. Even they have, though they have the talent, 
that is one of the better rosters in the league. So I think Harbaugh fixes that. If I'm a Chargers fan, I'm really excited I, about yeah, well, this move. I, I, I wonder if Charger fans are able to get excited because I was talking about this earlier this morning, and, and you bring up the Lions. There's another example, the Browns. I mean, for the most part, there are certain teams – that we never expect to be good. They're, and there's no reason to expect them to be good. But for the last decade and a half or so, uh, half of those years, the Chargers were, were all, they, they are definitely a contender for the AFC championship. And, and there was reason to say that. And then they would go out, and to me, their their calling card was they would lose games they had no business losing to teams they had no business losing to. So I wonder, as a Charger fan, yes, of course, hope springs eternal for sports fans. As a, as a Charger fan, though, at what at what point do we do the Charlie Brown and the Lucy and the football thing? I, I Jim Harbaugh's that great, and and Justin Herbert's that great. Um, but that that has got to that to me almost sucks more than being a perennial loser like a like a Browns fan, but to where you you're you're told every year. You're one of the best in the AFC, and you finish five and twelve. And I get that if you're a Chargers fan, believe me. You know I go into the season as a Lions fan with low expectations to start. Every year the Chargers go into it, and they have that expectation of look, this could be our year. We could be going to the Super Bowl, and they blow it. <laughs> as you said, I, I agree. It, it seems that they lose those games they have no business losing. They always seem to find ways to win the games that you don't give them a chance. But those games that, hey, they have this one, here they go, and they find a way to lose, and you just shake your head going, here it is, we're the Chargers again. But I think with Harbaugh, he has shown that he knows how to win. You know, he took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. He did lose to his brother. But everywhere he's been, he's won. He's been to San Diego. He won at, you know, USD. He won with Stanford. I, I think if you're ever going to turn it around and become a winner – this is your opportunity. So let's let's back out of the NFL real briefly to put a bow on this story. Obviously, Harbaugh leaves. Now the national champions need a head coach. Now, remember the Harbaugh had his suspension, and offensive coordinator Sharon Moore served as the acting head coach, uh, and he did get praise. I mean, obviously Harbaugh is going to praise him, but there was a lot of a lot of word that the players uh, were thrilled with the work that he did, the way he carried the team. He's the natural choice. He's the easy choice. If Michigan says we want to, we want another shot, and we want to stick with the continuity of what Harbaugh has built, and then there's there is the argument that I've already read out there that Moore is connected with this Harbaugh era of what we call complexities, and that maybe Michigan wants a clean break. Um, I, I've I've heard only two names so far. There, I, well, I've 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 seen other names. The two big names I've heard are Sharon Moore, which I think is the odds-on favorite. And the other name that's really beaten floated quickly is LSU coach uh, Brian Kelly, uh, which uh, rumors have actually been like, like weeks. I, I went back, I, I double-checked. You know, Once we knew Harbaugh was seriously interviewing, it became clear that Kelly had a genuine interest in the Michigan job. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, he led LSU to the surprise SEC West Championship in his first year. He's got consecutive 10-win seasons. He did the Notre Dame thing. I mean, Kelly's resume. So I guess the question, Stephen, I don't know the other names that we want, might want to discuss, does Michigan want to go big name? Hey, we're following up Harbaugh, and we're going to bring in Brian Kelly. Or does Michigan want to go with, look, everybody knows and loves Sharon Moore. We stick with this way of the system. I think they have to go Sharon Moore. I think he's earned the right to be the head coach at Michigan. Uh, he knows the players. He knows the system. And the reason 
I believe he hasn't been announced yet, is in Michigan, you have to go seven days, post the position before you can hire. So that's where the delay in hiring him. But just like Antonio Pierce earned the right to be the head coach of the Raiders, I believe Sharon Moore has earned that right to be the head coach at Michigan. We saw when Harbaugh left Stanford, they brought in Shaw. You know, Shaw was his top assistant, and he took over the program. And he ran that program for many years also, very successfully. And Stanford, back to not being a very good football program, and they weren't for, prior to Harbaugh coming in. Moore deserves it. Brian Kelly would be a nice hire, but then you got to ask, why is Brian Kelly asking out of LSU? What What's going on there? I mean, he hasn't been there that long. He left Notre Dame to go there. And now if he's actually lobbying to leave LSU to go to Michigan, uh, is that really the guy you want to put in there? And, and f the, the big game for me was when Harbaugh was out and Moore beat Ohio State. Yeah took the second half and said, look, this is how we're going to win this game. He called the plays. He ran the ball every single play, wore them down, beat Ohio State. He wasn't afraid to do what he felt was best for the team because no coach is really going to run the ball every single play for the second half. He did it because he knew that's how he was going to win. He was able to make that choice and not afraid to make that choice. That, to me, is the reason. That game is why I would give him the shot to run Michigan. If the recon is right, too, on the way the players felt about Sharon Moore, it's also a good way to keep as many players as possible who might, you know, because college football is the Wild West these days. And obviously, Sharon Moore, he would take the job in a second. The question becomes, how much pressure lands on a guy who was the assistant coach of the national championship team? Because, of course, every, every one of these major colleges, they're all insane. They all want everything to win right now, do everything right now. It, 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 he he how how great does he have to be if they give him the gig i think if he keeps the coaches in and a big part of this is recruiting if if michigan has built that reputation of look we want the hard-nosed players who are going to play tough football and be a family you got to buy into the michigan way if he can do it and he can keep the players that are there i, I think he can be very successful my fear though is ohio state is just reloading yeah. I, I think ohio state has had enough they're investing in players now. We're going to bring them in from Alabama and other programs. And is Michigan really going to be able to compete at that Ohio State level? I, I don't believe they are long-term. They might short, and this has been a great window the last three years. I just don't think they have the resources to compete with an Ohio State. So, again, for me, great time for Harbaugh to step away. And, and I wish more success, but Michigan fans have to be realistic. They're not Ohio State. Uh, let's jump back to the NFL. I got to tell you, Steve, I completely forgot the Carolina Panthers had an opening. The Carolina Panthers were such a nondescript, non-entity in my mind. Uh, team owner David Tepper has got a terrible reputation. Uh, they, uh, the, the Panthers were the worst team in the NFL, 2-15. and 15. They have had six straight losing seasons since Tepper purchased the team in 2018. And he, he's he been railed in the sports media uh, on a variety of levels as uh, not being committed or not knowing what he's doing or whatever. But... I, I, like I said, I, I forgot there was a job there. Now there isn't. They plan to hire Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator Dave Canales. General manager Dan Morgan spent eight years with Canales uh, with the Seattle Seahawks from 2010 to 2017. Canales was the wide receivers coach, but then he was the passing game coordinator for the Seahawks in 2020 when Russell Wilson had his career-high 
season in passing touchdowns and completion percentage. He was the quarterback's coach for Seattle in 2022 when Geno Smith had his career high in yards, touchdowns, and completion percentage. Do you see the trend here? He was the offensive coordinator this year at Tampa Bay when Baker Mayfield had a career high in yards, touchdowns, and completion percentage. Uh, the, the thinking behind the hire is that Canales can do for Bryce Young what he did for Geno Smith, Russell Wilson, and Baker Mayfield, uh, uh, the young had the, the who was the top pick of last year's draft, has statistically one of the worst seasons in NFL history for a quarterback taken with the top pick. That happens, but is that all? I mean, I guess I guess I would start with the variety of questions: is is Canales the right guy to do that job? And is that all that, that the Panthers need to do is to fix Bryce Young? And oh, hey, they're a contender. I think the Panthers have to do a lot of things, but when when you look at the Canales hire, I think the part that you really have to look at is the relationship between the GM, Dan Morgan, and Canales for all their years in Seattle. As, as we discussed uh, with Harbaugh and who they're going to bring in for the general manager, that head coach general manager relationship has to be rock solid. They're in this together. Their success is going to be together or their demise is going to be together. And I think it's a case of Dan Morgan felt best with bringing in Canales as the head coach. It was a little bit of a head scratcher for me. Yes, Baker Mayfield had the best career year of his career, but Tampa Bay's offense really wasn't that good this year. It wasn't creative. Mike Evans was a deep threat who caught a lot of touchdowns, but outside of that, you know, there wasn't that much there. So I think this hires much more with, you have a new GM and Dan Morgan and who is he comfortable with the head coach? The question that I would be asking more, the owner and all of that is you have Pete Carroll out there. You got Belichick out there. You have, you know, out there, you have all these coaches out there. None of them interviewed for this job. Vrabel didn't interview for this job. If you're really serious about being a contending team and being a legitimate NFL stronghold team, aren't you at least hiring? You may not hire, but aren't you at least interviewing the greatest coach of all time, Vrabel, who did it with the Tennessee team, who's other Pete Carroll, who's you know won a college championship, has won a Super Bowl. Aren't you at least interviewing them to show that you're serious about being a legitimate football team? They didn't even do that. So I have serious questions, and it, and it starts from the top. And that's where Tepper gets his uh, his reputation. Now, before we finish this story, it's going to seem like we're, we're going in another direction. Not quite yet. We got an email, uh, rad at radradio.com from Ruben, who says, how does Steve feel about possibly losing offensive coordinator Ben Johnson to a vacant head coaching job after the season is over with the incredible job he did this year with the Lions offense? Now, if you're a Niner or a Lion or a Chief, or a Raven coach, you got to wait till your season's over to get into the mix of these things. But uh, Ben Johnson's name was part of this whole Panthers story in that the Panthers entered the search wanting Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson as their top league target. But multiple sources say Johnson made it clear he's interested in the Washington Commanders job. So uh, all of those questions at once, Steve. I mean, we, when when any of us, we have, I mean, the Niners, I've watched this happen year after year after year lately. When you have amazing seasons, the coordinators go and you have to hope that your organization, your head coach, are are good enough to, and the Niners have been pretty successful to replace the people that leave. And and I would be stunned if Ben Johnson was still part of the uh, the Lions coaching staff uh, next year. And do you think the Commanders is a good landing spot for him? 
I hope he is. Um, I wish him the best if he does go to the commanders because, you know, there's only 32 head coaching jobs. And as much as we sit there and say, ah, you know, the Carolina Panthers really aren't serious about winning or anything like that. There's 32 head coaching jobs. So, you know, unless you're an established veteran, like a Belichick, you got to jump on any opportunity when they offer you that job. And I wish him well, I'm hoping the lions can find a way to win the super bowl. So if, and when he leaves, it's not going to be as devastating (laughs) as it's going to be because he has really brought Jared Goff to life in this offense and his creativity and play calling, I think has been outstanding and it's going to be tough to replace him and have that kind of success we had with him. So I'm hoping he doesn't get the job because I'd love to have him back in Detroit. But if he does go, I wish him the best. And and this is one of my complaints with the NFL. And it's just as a fan who sits there and looks at it. Why do they allow all these coaches to go and interview for these positions during these time? You're a playoff team. You need to be focused on winning that next game and advancing. To me, the NFL shouldn't even allow any coaches to interview until like the week after the Super Bowl, allow everyone to get through it before you're doing it, because you can't tell me that going and interviewing for these jobs isn't a bit of a distraction. Plus, at this point, if Ben Johnson does go to the commanders, well, the Lions are how far behind other head coaches in going out and getting offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, and you as a 49ers fan, you've experienced this for years, Mm -hmm. but it's really difficult when you don't get to start to like three or four weeks after everybody else. I mean, Vic Vangio left the Dolphins. He's already, I believe, going to be announced as the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, you know, today. And it's just, it, it's just, I believe the whole NFL should be on an equal field, not a, hey, look, let's give these other teams who are out of it a head start in going after it. And the teams that you see haven't hired yet, you know they're hiring a coach from a staff that's still playing. Well, Otherwise, it, they would already have announced it. So you got to believe that that's part of why the commanders haven't hired anybody to this point. And part of the structure of all that is, well, look, if you're deep into the playoffs, you already have an advantage, and we want the teams that aren't to have the opportunity to get as good as you. I'm not saying I agree with it. I know that's part of the uh, of, of the thinking there. And, and you just alluded to something, too. It, 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 it's the sources, right? Multiple sources. Look, if it gets as far as multiple sources, ESPN and everybody else reporting it, then Ben Johnson and or his agent has made it clear. Hey, Washington. Just wait till the end of the playoffs. Just wait. Mm-hmm. So the the commanders are because you're right. A lot of people step back and they go, why are some teams making moves and others are taking so long? And that's why. And they want to have a, a look at them. And I think this is part of a lot of teams are starting to get really smart about this, where they build out their organization to where they already know, OK, when defensive coordinator X leaves, we already have our linebackers coach and he's going to slide in because you're absolutely right. Otherwise you get the dregs, the, the, the has-beens, the, the, the long-gones and, 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 and things like that. We're going to take a break. Uh, the AP has announced their, uh, po- their awards uh, for, the, for the season, things like MVP award and, uh, and offensive player of the year. Yeah, everything becomes a show now. We were talking about this earlier uh, with the, uh, the Hall of Fame announcements. And, uh, of course, they're going to broadcast live the winners. And, and be, we used to not even know who the finalists were. But we got the finalists in all those categories. We got the Kings at the Warriors tonight and more after this. Mix Picks, the Mix Picks Sports Show. Let's go! 
Call the Mix Pick Sports Show at 888-989-9811. You can email us, red at radradio.com like Russ did. He said, hi, Rob and Steve. I was behind on shows, but I just caught up. I understand if you've moved past last weekend's games, but I wanted your opinion on something that I haven't heard covered. And we have not talked about this one. It's been talked about. It's been answered. So we'll give you the full scope of this. He says, at the end of the Lions-Buccaneers game on Sunday after the interception, the Lions were in victory formation to run out the clock, and the Bucs still had a timeout left. The Lions were quick snapping the ball, took their third D with 37 seconds on the clock, bringing up fourth down. Why didn't Coach Todd Bowles of the Buccaneers use his last timeout and force the Lions to run another player, try the field goal with about 35 seconds left? Don't you have to try to give your team a chance to block the kick or maybe a bad snap? Bowles addressed this, and when I first heard him address it, I thought, wow, that's really reasonable. And then when I was reading it again today, I had second thoughts. His basic answer was that, his team was not going to use the final timeout because the game was over. Uh, he said, and, and Dan Campbell, by the way, the coach for the Lions, he said, yeah, it's my fault that we, we, we kneel. Because the, the, your Lions, Steve, snapped the ball with 14 seconds left on the playcock. They, they could have gone all the way down to 23 seconds. But Campbell says, we knew they had a timeout. I could tell he wasn't going to call it, and that's how it ended. And Bowles said, okay, fine, but it wasn't a gentleman's agreement. He just says, quote, they were in field goal range. We'd, we'd have had 12 seconds calculated after using the timeout to come back from it, and then we'd have been down 11 points, so it's pointless. In other words, Bowles was assuming in his mind that Badgley of the Lions would have made it from 49 yards out. There's some questions about that. Had he missed it, it would have resulted in a turnover on downs and would have put the Bucks within striking distance only eight yard, eight, eight down. I mean, you got to score a touchdown and a conversion with, with uh, no timeouts from midfield. Um, and, and then, of course, a, a kick would have pinned him for a Hail Mary. I, I get what Bowles is saying. All practical purposes, the game's over. A lot of fans are like, hey, some weird things have happened. Um, and they're calling this kind of like loser talk, defeatist talk. I, I, still, I, I still respect Bowles' decision, but I'm not sure that I should. Yeah, you'd like to see him play it out to the end. I, I know watching the game, they were talking about, you know, will Campbell go for the field goal to put him up by two scores, or will they punt? I like to believe as aggressive as he normally is, he would have punted in that situation, mm. pinned him deep, and then said, okay, you have no timeouts, there's 12 seconds on the clock, good luck going 98 yards or whatever <laughs> it would be to get a touchdown. I think Bowles just kind of looked at it and threw his, you know, the towel in the ring. Look, we lost the game. We don't have enough time. I burned that timeout. We don't have any timeouts. And I think he just gave up on his team early. We, we've seen weird things happen. I mean, the reason we have the victory formation is it goes back to the Giants and the handoff, I believe it was Larry Zonk as they're running out the clock and they fumbled and Herm Edwards picks it up and runs it in for a touchdown. Right. So we've seen bizarre things happen at the end of the game that you don't think should happen. And that's my disappointment in bowls is play it to the final whistle, play it to the end. Yes. You know, you're losing, but leave it all out on the field. You know, and, and I get what he said. Look, we lost it, it. Taking the timeout wouldn't have done really anything, but I think it sends a match to your players also and your fan base. Look, we're going to play hard all the way till the clock hits zero. We're never giving up, especially because there is in this case, there is a mathematical. There are a number of mathematical ways something could have happened. Look, if they were down by 24, 
then he's right. But but I mean, we spelled out a few of the things that could have happened. There's errors on kicks. There's there's flubs. There's fumbles. There's blocks. If they even if they if they chose to and and if you're right now, Campbell, that's one aggressive way to do it. Pin them and say good luck. Another aggressive thing to do is say kick it and make it and put it out of reach. And if the kick is missed now, so yeah, you're right. With that much time left. Now that I've, I've had time to ruminate on it, it, it you got you got to at least play it out to where everybody goes, okay, there's clearly no shot at this point. Now, uh, earlier today, the uh, Associated Press's 2023 NFL Awards finalists were revealed. They're determined through a revamped voting system. The voters, there's 50 of them, I believe, uh, that, that rank in each category their top five uh, for MVP, their top three for the other awards. There's this convoluted point, point system, and that's how we wind up with not only the finalists, but the winners, which will be announced on February 8th, live on CBS, NFL Network, and Paramount+. Plus. Uh, and uh, usually, you know, if it's the Academy Awards, you go to least important to most important. We're going to do the inverted Academy Awards uh, version here, and we'll rotate who goes first. So, Steve, I'm going to give you the first one, the big one, AP Most Valuable Player of, uh, of the Year Award. Your finalists are Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens, Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys, Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers, and the only non-quarterback finalist, Christian McCaffrey of the 49ers. None of those are, are surprises as finalists. Who you got? I think you got to go with Lamar Jackson. I, I mean, the Ravens have been the best team in the NFL, even though I feel the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. I mean, they they buried the Niners on Christmas Day. They've beaten the Lions. Both those teams are still playing. I, I know Dak Prescott put up, you know, threw for over 4,500 yards, 38 touchdowns. But, you know, they didn't win when they needed to win. They, they just, you know, they beat up the poor teams. They did end up winning their division. Unfortunately, Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey kind of cancel each other out. I think McCaffrey's the most valuable player on the 49ers. But I don't want to discount what Brock Purdy has done. I mean, it's unfortunate that he is getting a lot of, you know, flack. Oh, he's not that good. His game last week. But you know what? He's a second-year player. It's really a huge game last week. They still found a way to win. Let him continue to develop. I think he is an extremely intelligent quarterback. But for me, again, Lamar Jackson, I believe, should win it and win it handily. So you believe he should win it and he will win it? Because I, I, I believe that as well. I, I, I do think McCaffrey is absolutely the most valuable player on the 49ers. To say he's the most valuable player in the league is is a tough one. I you know Dak Prescott he he just and 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 of course when we talk about it now we're tainted. Our brains you can't our brains cannot possibly forget what we've seen the last couple of weeks in the playoffs. And they all voted before the playoffs started. And so going into the 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 postseason you got to remember that version of Dak. And I I just and I think you nailed it with I think Lamar Jackson for me won the MVP on Christmas when they just dominated Mm -hmm. uh, the, the 49ers, and, and, I, and I think he will get it, and he should get it. The AP Defensive Player of the Year, the nominees are Deron Bland Max of the Cowboys, Max Crosby, uh, a Raiders defensive end, Miles Garrett, uh, Browns defensive end, Micah Parsons, Cowboys linebacker, and T.J. Watt, Steelers linebacker. This is another one of those where you wonder with the voters, do Deron Bland and Micah Parsons cancel each other out in terms of looking at the, the two defenders on the, on the Cowboys. And even though they didn't go very far, they got to the playoffs, 
my my brain leans towards TJ Watt. I am not I do I am not sold on who the defensive player of the year is of these choices. Not that I think they're all bad. I this this one was the hardest one for me to even come up with like I lean towards this person. Who who am I missing, Steve? I think TJ Watt will most likely end up winning it. Okay. I will tell you flat out, my vote goes to Max Crosby. I thought wow. he had a phenomenal season. I thought he was chaos in the backfield against his opponents. They, the Raiders are not a strong defensive team, and this guy dominated pretty much in every game he played. Uh, so for me, the, I felt Max Crosby was – the best defensive player in the league on a team that doesn't have a very good defense. So he would get my vote, but I do believe that TJ Watt will end up winning it. And I can see Micah Parsons. I mean, he brings havoc on every single play. He is just an outstanding defensive player, but Max Crosby doesn't have any support really besides him. And he dominated uh, AP offensive player of the year to you, Steve Tyreek Hill of the Dolphins, Lamar Jackson of the Ravens, CD lamb of the Cowboys, Christian McCaffrey of the Niners and Dak Prescott of the Cowboys. And, and before you answer, this always leads to that interesting uh, question of, well, if, if Lamar Jackson's the MVP, doesn't he have to be the offensive player of the year? Or is this where the writers in particular go, okay, Lamar Jackson's the MVP, but Christian McCaffrey's the offensive player of the year, because you always wonder how can you be the MVP and not be the best player in your position? So where do you land? I lean towards Christian McCaffrey as the offensive yeah. player of the year. That, that's where my vote would go. And, and I kind of disqualify Lamar Jackson, and I probably shouldn't, because he's going to win the MVP. He, he was the most <laughs> valuable player. So I kind of look, you're taking home this trophy. Now let's see what else we have. And this is where I would lean towards Christian McCaffrey because he's, I, I mean, he led the league in rushing. He rushed for like 400. 1,400 yards. I think he had 14 rushing touchdowns. He's a threat out of the backfield to catch the ball. And, and to me, he is the most valuable player on the 49ers. So my offensive player vote would go to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, absolutely. All right, AP Offensive Rookie of the Year, Jamar Gibbs of your Lions, Sam Laporta of your Lions, Puka Nakua of the Rams, Bijan Robinson of the Falcons, and C.J. Stroud of the Texans. If C.J. Stroud didn't exist, I would say Puka Nakua, that guy, is a blow away impressive to me. Uh, not to say Sam Laporta isn't great as well, but I mean, P Puka Nakua stands out for me as somebody that will be around as a wide receiver in this league wreaking havoc for, for a decade barring injuries. But CJ Stroud to me is the, the with, I, I mean, again, he's got a lot of good names against him, but he is undoubtedly my offensive rookie of the year. Oh, without a doubt. I, he was phenomenal. I believe he ended up throwing for, uh, you know, a little over 4,100 yards as a rookie quarterback on a team that was considered going into the season as one of the worst teams in the NFL. He led his team to the division title. They won a playoff game. I mean, he was phenomenal. He's so much fun to watch play. And I agree with you. The other players had really good seasons, but Puka Nakua came from nowhere. <laughs> Nobody had ever even really heard of him going into the week one game of the season, and he was phenomenal. He's a wide receiver, I think, is going to be one of the top wide receivers in the game for many, many years, and the Rams got to be, you know, hats off to their talent, player development to go out and notice this value in him, draft him, and 
then give him the opportunity to play. So the Rams did a wonderful job with him, but C.J. Stroud, hands down, he should win it unanimously. We got uh, three more awards to go over from the NFL finalists. We got the uh, Kings at the Warriors tonight, and we have a Chargers fan who's written in about whether or not they are excited now that they have Harbaugh or whether or not they just assume everything will fall apart like usual. Mix Picks, the Mix Picks Sports Show. The Mix Pick Sports Show. Got a hot take? Email us at rad at radradio.com. Going over the Associated Press's 2023 NFL Awards. Uh, the nominations have been announced. They'll be given out on February 8th like usual. Steve and I can't find a reason to fight yet. We'll get there eventually. Uh, most valuable player, we both agree, Lamar Jackson should and will win it. Defensive Rookie of the Year uh, goes to... Oh, wait, that's the next one we're doing. Sorry, I jumped ahead. Uh, defensive Player of the Year. Uh, it's going to go to TJ Watt. Steve says it's really Max Crosby. Offensive Player of the Year, we agree. Christian McCaffrey should and will win it. Offensive Rookie of the Year, it's got to be CJ Stroud. Uh, and then uh, now we're at Defensive Rookie of the Year. Up to you, Steve. We got Will Anderson of the Texans uh, defensive end. We got another uh, defensive tackle, Jalen Carter. Quarterback Joey Porter from the Steelers. Kobe Turner of the Rams. Uh, and uh, Devin Witherspoon, cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks for Defensive Rookie of the Year. I like Will Anderson with the Texans. Uh, he really shirred up that defense. I thought he had an outstanding year. Uh, again, a lot of good rookies. I love seeing that talent coming into the league. But zero expectations on the Texans, and their te- their defense was surprisingly really good this year as well. And uh, so that's where I go. And this is the thing is because the Texans, as you said, were expected to be one of the three worst teams in the NFL, and they wound up getting to the playoffs, for the love of God. You have to step back and look, and yes, all credit to D'Amico Ryans for an incredible job as the coach, but you have to step back and go, how did they do it? What? what well, the, you got to look at the new blood that came in, like C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson, and that's kind of where how I was able to land on that, because it's almost like it's it's a tiny it's a it's a micro version of the most valuable player like who are the guys that came in and made the biggest difference that turned this team around so for me it's it's Will Anderson AP comeback player of the year Joe Flacco of the Browns DeMar Hamlin of the Bills Baker Mayfield of the Buccaneers Matthew Stafford of the Rams and Tua Tagovailoa of the Miami Dolphins so Flacco to me that was a cool story for a few weeks. I, I, I'm sorry, but you, he can't be comeback player of the year for the amount of time that he, he put in, 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 in my opinion. DeMar Hamlin is the human comeback player of the year story. But to me, the comeback player, he comes back from either a horrible previous season and then he's one of the best players in the NFL, or he comes back from an injury and he becomes impactful again. The, your, your, your sympathy vote is for DeMar Hamlin. I don't think he would want that, at least – not for me. Matthew Stafford, I'm not sure that I, I, I sure, okay. Uh, Tua, yeah, sure, okay. To me, and I hate this, I hate myself because I hate him. It's Baker Mayfield. And, and I, I, I mean, I had, and I think a lot of people had written him off entirely. He was a backup quarterback for the rest of his career if he was going to be around. You can't take away what he did for the Buccaneers, in, in my opinion, and, and a lot of us never would have seen it. So Baker Mayfield gets my vote. Uh, he gets my vote too. And, and I'm with you. I, I really wanted to go on a lot of different things, but we knew Miami was good. Matthew Stafford's yeah. had a great career. I mean, he's a Super Bowl champion. So even though he was injured last year and he came back, but Baker Mayfield was pretty much left for dead. I mean, people look, he's never going to be a starting quarterback in this league. His, his job right now is holding 
somebody will pick him up to be a backup quarterback like a Sam Darnold and, and to go out there and throw for over 4,000 yards, win that division with the Buccaneers, another team that people thought, you know, weren't going to go anywhere and even compete this year. I'm not a fan of Baker Mayfield, but you have to respect the season that he had. And it was great to see him turn it around after all those years of expectations and, and failing and in my part. And I think he was part of that failure is just his self, you know, destructive personality with what he was. I think when he went to the Rams last year, he finally said, you know what, let's just play. Let's just go and enjoy the game. And, do what I can do and don't think about it. And, and I think it showed up with Tampa Bay. On the would should thing, uh, uh, I, I there's a small part of me that won't be surprised if the writers go DeMar Hamlin. Depending on who they are and how they feel, I, I will not like it because to me, as I said, it is not the spirit of the Comeback Player of the Year award. I know people will argue with me with, what are you talking about? The guy died on the field, and now he's back on the field. He didn't have an impactful season. I, I, you can't make the case on the field. I, you can't. There, there, I, show me the sports writer that can make the case on the field. But I, do, I, I won't be surprised if DeMar Hamlin gets it. I, I wouldn't either. I, I mean, it's a phenomenal story, and, and I'm so thankful that he was – you know, able to play football again. I, I mean, just the surviving and, and, you know, at that point leading a normal life was an accomplishment. He was able to play in the NFL, but it wasn't that he had an impactful season. He, you know, he was not an all pro or anything like that. So for me, it's what you do on the field, not the feel good story of, of how you necessarily got there. And, and that's where I go to Baker Mayfield. AP Coach of the Year. This is yours, Steve. You're Dan Campbell of the Detroit Lions, John Harbaugh of the Ravens, D'Amico Ryans of the Texans, Kyle Shanahan of the Niners, and Kevin Stefanski of the Browns. This is a this is a good category. Yes, it's a really good category. Uh, unfortunately, I throw Stefanski out because I believe he won it in like 2021 or something like that. And, and the story in Cleveland was fantastic. I mean, he, he's using four quarterbacks. He's down to his four-string quarterback and still advanced into the playoffs and was an impactful team. But D'Amico Ryans is right there. Um, and, and again, I would probably lean towards D'Amico Ryans because zero expectations. They could have gone out and won four games and everybody said, see, this is the team we expected to be. They, you know, won 10, won their division, et cetera. My, my heart says Dan Campbell because he <laughs> took such a bad organization and turned them around. The, the part against him, though, is he finished the season so strong last year that people are going to go look at it and say, well, this is kind of what we expected from him this year. They showed this to us last year. So he's not getting the award because of what he did this year because he already had the high expectations, which is where you go to the John Harbaugh's, et cetera. Well, the Ravens are already one of the top teams. So why, you know, it, should he be the coach of the year? My head says D'Amico Ryans. My heart says Dan Campbell. So you and I, I also throw Stefanski out for a variety of reasons, but you had an interesting uh, definition, although I don't think you mean it as a 100%, but it's got to be a big part of the decision for coach of the year. It's the coach who most exceeded the expectations. Now, a lot of people argue, but wait a minute, doesn't the coach of the year have to be a winner? And I think the answer is yes, which which is why, look, D'Amico Ryans is, is still in that 
conversation. They way exceeded expectations, and they never, no one, I mean, no one was arguing the Texans would get anywhere near the, the playoffs. Now, yes, John Harbaugh and Kyle Shanahan, they're still there. And, 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 but look, I think Kyle Shanahan's an amazing coach. I'm not sure you and I couldn't have coached the Niners into the playoffs with the talent that they have. And, and it, that might be unfair to Shanahan. It might be unfair to Harbaugh. But when I think coach of the year, I look, if Dan Campbell wins it, I'm, I'm good. He's absolutely 1A on my list. But I've been saying for weeks, and I'm not changing now, and this is a clean sweep where we wind up agreeing on every one of these damn categories, it's D'Amico Ryans of the Texans. Yeah, and I and I agree with you. The expectations just weren't there. If they were to finish nine and eight and won that division, and then bowed out and got blown out in the first round, I, I probably look. He had a great season, but I wouldn't be there. But winning the division, ten and seven, uh, you know, I mean, the season win total is probably like four, four and a half. So I mean, you blew by that. Uh, it just again, my heart's with Dan Campbell, but. The expectations were there for the Lions to win that division. So if he wouldn't have won the division, they would have been calling for him to be fired because he was clearly the best team in that division. But nobody saw the Texans doing having the season they had. Big game tonight for the Sacramento Kings and their fans. Uh, when he, whenever the Kings play the Warriors or the Lakers, it's always stop everything. The Warriors, we've talked about them already this week. Uh, they're rudderless. They've, they've got a lot to figure out, but they are still the Warriors, and there is still bad blood there. Uh, how do you see tonight going between Sacramento and Golden State? Yeah, the, right now the Warriors have won the first couple of games that they've played. Let me pull the line up on that game. Right now you're looking at the Kings, a two-point favorite on the road. The Warriors season has been a disaster. They've been the other against the Hawks. So I'm curious to see how they do here. But, you know, we've always come to expect the Warriors to be a really good home team. I think they're 11 and 11 at home. So they're a 500 team at home, which is not what we're used to doing here. I, I like the Kings. I like the chemistry. I just, I'm not sold that their defense is quite good enough. Um, you know, it's going to come down to who shoots the ball well tonight and who doesn't turn it over. Warriors are prone to turn it over. I'm not sure I would lay the Kings with two on the road, but th this game really should be a great game that goes down right to the end. I promised uh, this last email, RAD at radradio.com. It's from Jeff. Uh, and uh, we had said earlier, well, the Chargers should be really excited. Charger fans, because, hey, you got Jim Harbaugh. And then we were talking about what's it like to be the fan of a team that is constantly, you're told, is in the hunt. It's one of the best teams in the NFC, AFC rather, and they lose games they shouldn't, et cetera. So Jeff says, this is our year. This is our year. As a lifelong Charger fan, I'm excited about Harbaugh. It's the first time in a long time I've been actually excited. The Chargers always play down to our opponents, play up for the big games, but we find creative ways to lose. I'm ho hoping Coach Jim changes the mentality in the Chargers locker room, and that's where you said it started, Steve, using the, the Dan Campbell uh, comparison. And we are now, literally right now, 72 hours before the first, the kickoff of the uh, AFC championship game, which means tomorrow we're back at our regular time at 10 a.m. Lots of talk about who's going to the Super Bowl. Have a good time thinking about it, Steve. I'll see you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. Mix.